Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. And I think College on Tap is solving a problem that maybe people didn't even know was quite there because the community just hasn't existed yet. There's nothing that exists exactly in this kind of space that we're really trying to hit on. And I think that's what makes us unique and special and what also is going to set us up for hopefully some long-term success. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Discover More. This week's guest is Sarah Bennett. Sarah is the founder of College on Tap, an entertainment blog written by college students for college students. Imagine a platform of barstool sports with a mission of information and empowerment. She's currently a rising junior at a liberal arts college and has so much to share about her entrepreneurial journey. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I'm really happy to be here. So to start off, we'd like kind of to dive right into your College on Tap effort. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so College on Tap is really kind of created with this idea to just enhance the college experience. And what that really means is we felt like there wasn't this one platform where students were able to get information and also be entertained. I think that's also really a lot of what the college experience is about, is kind of learning, but also having fun and even sometimes learning through that fun. And so we try to really hit on where do kids need information that they're not getting right now and how can we kind of tailor to that audience. So the way we're doing that right now is through a lot of content creation, mainly through articles. We actually have about 10 writers on our team now who are writing articles for us every week. We think it's really, really I feel like I should backtrack just one step. Uh, When I say we, it's myself and also my partner Carly is, um, we kind of started this business together and work on it a lot. And so we've kind of assembled this writing team and we really love having more writers and we accept more and more as they come just because we really want all these different perspectives and sharing what they think is important for other college students to know about that experience. And we just hope to keep spreading into other forms of content creation and really kind of keep helping that college experience be everything that it can for kids. Yeah, I think the fact that it's a lot of different writers from all over the country, right? The more voices, the more perspectives, kind of the more relatable and accessible the information and content becomes. So I'm definitely curious because you're sourcing writers from all over the place, what are some topics or ideas that continue to come to the surface? Like what are your writers talking about, writing about? Yeah, um, we have a lot of writers who are kind of writing about right now, I feel like school life sort of generally. Um, So we get some about kind of community engagement was one. So this was an article I really liked. And what that was really hitting on was kind of what there is to offer just outside of the campus and how you can kind of get involved with the community around. And I think that's something like college kids can forget that there is this world sort of outside. And so I think that was a really important article. And then we have some that are kind of just sort of pique your interest a little bit. Like why do college students love coffee? Um, That was an article. And I do college students love coffee and I won't spoil anything because you got to go read it. Um, But things like that are really kind of what what college kids might be interested in hearing about and just learning of what opportunities are around. I think one that really highlights kind of what is helpful about having these different perspectives is a physically, geographically different article. So one girl wrote about her experience with food places in Nashville. And my friend and I are from the Northeast. And so it's like, we don't really have experience eating in Nashville. And so that right there kind of shows how broadening who's giving these articles, even with that small example is really changing the perspective of what we're able to write about. Yeah, no, I think that's very powerful. And 
Uh, first, I just want to affirm and validate the, the growth because you are our first stranger and virtual interview that we'll be placing. And then we reached out through the email communications. However, we've never met in person and we don't know too much. However, when we first established connections, I believe you had seven writers in the team. And the fact that in a matter of a few weeks, you're able to grow through additional writers and team members onto your team and your brands. I think that itself is a like proof that every successful brand in the early stage all go through a fast growing stage. So I reckon there has to be some sort of a growing pain. Uh, it may not happen, but I'm curious to know, A, what are some of the criterias that you yourself and Carly use to recruit and accept these writers? Because you as the co-founder and you as the driving force and the mastermind behind the brand, I'm sure you have a lot of multitude of criterias and assessments that you do for the people who are interested in the brand. And in addition, if there's any growing pains or any things that happen uh, due to the fast uh, journey of your brand. Yeah, so I think there's kind of a few things to touch on there. With our application process, there is kind of a few different ways we go about it. So we have the application just on our website. Um, Kids can apply whenever they want, and we sometimes advertise it a little bit. And so what we're really looking for when people just kind of go into that application is who is just passionate about writing and just loves writing. Because if you have kids who love writing, then and they're in college and they're sharing their perspective, then you can't really go wrong. So it's really just about not wanting a kid who's just trying to, yes, this will help build your resume, but that's not the only goal. They're not writing it to just check something off a box. They're writing because they actually really, really enjoy writing. And that comes through the kids' kind of articles. I think even more than when Carly and I were just trying to write all of the articles because we were also still trying to run the business side of things. And so these kids, it's just so clear to me how passionate they are about writing and that really makes all the difference. So some kids have just found our website and applied and that's worked out really well. Another thing we have done is started to go out and seek out some writers because since we are really young, it's definitely, we want a lot of writers and it's definitely hard for people to just find it and apply. So we've been able to find some different accounts just through Instagram and kind of seen people's blogs and what they write about and seen that they're college bloggers um, and kind of reached out. And we've definitely gotten a lot of no's, but we have gotten a few yeses. And it's really awesome because when you find people who already have a blog, it means they're already really passionate about writing and we're just giving them another platform to do that. And we're giving them a network, a team of people to kind of grow through that writing process, which I think is really great for them. No, it's awesome. And I like to go backwards a little bit and highlight another thing that you said in the previous question. You talked about you love recruiting and having writers all over the country through different geographic locations, such as Nashville. And you talked about for yourself, you're from the Northeast. And I think that is talks about the essential element of exposure. Uh, Aiden and myself, we've been out of college for five years now. And we realized even whether it's in college, high school, post-college, despite your age, circumstances, the one common denominator and the factor that really helps for all aspects of life is exposure. If you look at a lot of racism, if you look at a lot of people that due to the circumstances or to their uh, restrictions, they're ignorant. And myself as an Asian American, I grew up with a lot of stereotypes, racism and microaggressions. I realized a lot of those people who are exhibiting such behaviors towards me or towards anyone else whose different skin tone from there are or from different socioeconomic statuses, it's not because they're inherently sinister or evil as human beings. However, they're just never had the exposure because they might have grown from like a small town. Maybe they grew up in the South and they've never had to hang out with people from different skin tones. And when I first, I went to a high school in San Diego, California, and I went to a boarding high school. However, I was the only Asian kid in the high school. And all the faculties and all the students were white. And I was an athlete. I was in the football team and the basketball team. And I was bullied my freshman in high school, right? Because people, it's ironic because San Diego is a very multicultural and very liberal place. But back in my days, due to the, the specific type of boarding school it was, it was, it was very white. And I realized uh, my friends who later became like some of the bullies who bullied me freshman year in high school, 
they later became one of my closest friends even until this date because they never had the exposure. So I just want to highlight that for the audiences and to like emphasize the importance of what you're doing through having writers from different teams because like college is such a holistic experience. It's more than just a paper. It's more than just a degree. It's about being exposed to different information, which is what you're doing through your brand, College and Tap. It's about being exposed to different people from different cultures, international students, people from Middle East, people from Europe, people from Asia. And I think your platform, in a sense, through entertainment value, it's like a microism of that. And I think that's awesome. So with that being said, like what motivated you and inspired you to start this brand? Because you, as a rising junior, coming up with the entrepreneur journey and coming up with such a brand with 10 writers on your team is quite an achievement. Because to be frank, I don't even remember what I was doing when I was a rising junior in college, but definitely I didn't start any brands. So we would love to hear some of the stories or driving force behind that motivation. What I noticed was that there's obviously so many websites kind of everywhere in the world and different communities of content and everything like that except there really didn't seem to be anything to me that was just like the average college student and by that i mean i think a lot of us have heard of barstool which does show all the partying and of course some of those videos are funny and everything and some of like the podcast shows they have like college students listen to but i think that's more on like the extreme side of what a college experience might look like and it's not really hitting on what's there for just a regular college student who goes to their classes yes has fun here and there is part of clubs extracurriculars and like what does their life look like and how can we kind of help them and help them learn more experience more and have a little bit of fun too while they're kind of scrolling through a website and I just felt like there wasn't really that niche there on the internet that was really just for every college student to be able to enjoy and I think I think that's what really kind of sparked the idea for me. And then also I have tried with other business ideas before that also somewhat revolved kind of around student life and like schools and things. And so I think I've kind of been in that niche for a while because of course I am a student. And so I guess what I'm interested in is solving problems for myself almost and like who else is experiencing that problem. And I think College on Tap is solving a problem that maybe people didn't even know was quite there because the community just hasn't existed yet. There's nothing that exists exactly in this kind of space that we're really trying to hit on. And I think that's what makes us unique and special and what also is going to set us up for hopefully some long-term success. Definitely. I really love that perspective saying that people didn't realize that it's a problem, but still acknowledging that it's a problem. That's what most of the entrepreneurial books or entrepreneurial speakers I've heard of is pick a problem and fix it. And it's really fascinating because in college, I specifically didn't recognize that I was missing content personable to a college student, but kind of in hindsight, I was like, that's an awesome idea. It definitely would have been relevant. Even with Barstool, right? They're all sports related or most of it is talking about sports or betting and all that kind of stuff, which unless you're deeply ingrained or into that kind of stuff, that's not necessarily relevant to the college student. So it's definitely a really awesome and powerful business idea. But I'd like to backtrack a little bit to what you said about other business ideas that you've had. What are some of those? How did they kind of relate and or teach you things that you're applying today at College on Tap? Yeah, so I actually tried to start a custom sock business, not once, but kind of twice. And so What kind of happened there was I've always been a basketball player, uh, really loved basketball. And when I was in middle school, kind of the Nike elite socks were like the big thing to have, the like half-calf sort of sock. Um, And I came across on the internet that there were some custom ones that were like really, really cool, but they cost like 40 or $50 at the time. And I was like, whoa, I cannot spend money on that but like there has to be a way to do that and so I kind of wanted to start my own custom sock business and my plan was to kind of at first it was to sell just generally but then I kind of honed in on schools and I actually sold some to my bookstore at my high school and so they 
were selling socks and that was probably one of the greatest success of the business, but I really wasn't able to scale it up. And a lot of that was actually just due to the, the printing process itself because getting like the colors right for the socks and like you need this special printer and a heat press and the whole thing, it was really hard to kind of do as like a ninth grader on your own. And so it ended up just being really hard. I was losing a lot of money in it. And so it kind of ended. So even though it stinks to lose a little bit of money, I felt like it was a really rich experience in the value that it served to me as an entrepreneur. I think one main thing I learned is that it's really not that easy to start a business. And that may sound simple, but I think a lot of kids are kind of looking for quick money schemes. And I just don't really think those exist out there. I think it takes a lot of hard work to start a business and you have to be ready to put more in than you're getting out for a while and understand that if you can keep it going till the long term, that you will be able to hopefully find that success at some point. And so when I was going to start the business again, I had a friend who actually, her her father could kind of help direct some contacts to have someone who would actually be doing like the manufacturing of the socks himself. But I ended up getting too nervous to put in the initial money investment into that. I guess a little bit scared in the back of my head of what happened the first time and not kind of really wanting to go all in. And so we eventually just decided to kind of hold off on it for a bit as like the school year was starting and we thought we just wouldn't be able to put the time in. And so we ended up kind of stopping that time before it even started. And I think the big lesson out of that second time was kind of that you gotta be able to take that initial risk and that initial jump because it's definitely not gonna be pretty at first as kind of you were mentioning earlier, the growing pains with the business, uh, those are real. I feel those like every week. I think there's definitely been times even in this where I'm kind of like, why am I, why am I even trying to do this college on tap thing like this will never work and then you have this little success it might be being on a podcast like this it might be someone reaching out and saying I really like love your products or I really want to be a writer for college on tap something small like that and you're like this could work this is gonna work and so I think that second time I wasn't ready to go kind of all in and you have to really buy into what you're doing and believe in it a lot Definitely. I think you said two things that to me really resonated because we're kind of dealing with that as well. Just like the weeks where there's not a lot of interaction with the content or maybe we release a podcast that doesn't get as many listens as the one before. Uh, I think we both consciously try and just like detach from the outcomes in whatever way. Like I'll intentionally not check our analytics for weeks or months at a time just to like not get caught up in that. So I think that idea of like embracing it as a process of like focusing on those small wins and like keeping that as momentum going, which is another giant thing. Like it could be something that's so small, but keeps the ball moving. So what was the history or when did you guys start? How long has College on Tap been around? And what are some of those, I guess you could call it key wins or like big things that happened that kept the ball rolling? I know you mentioned a few in our initial conversation, just highlights that have kept the ball mowing and maybe helped you move through some of those growing pains? So how it kind of started is actually a little bit funny. It's similar to the second failed sock business. So in winter of this past year is when I started kind of coming up with the idea. And I sort of felt like I wanted to do it on my own, but I didn't really want to even tell anyone about it, like friends, family, no one. And then I kind of started it, but didn't really, once like the school year really geared up, I couldn't keep doing it. I wasn't uh, keeping up with it and it wasn't gaining sort of any momentum because I wasn't really advertising it at all. And so then once COVID hit and I was at home and had a little bit more free time on my hand, I was thinking about the idea more and I was kind of like, I think I was really onto something there. And so I reached out to my friend and sort of pitched the idea and she loved it. And we just immediately got to work on it. She's been phenomenal, the biggest help I could imagine. I thought there's no way I'd find anyone who would be as passionate about this idea as I am. And yet there Carly is cranking away the same way I am. She does a lot more of, I guess, the design work, which is huge because I'm not the most kind of artistic person. And so we just balance each other really well with our different skill sets, which makes for, I think, a really great 
working experience. And she also is one of my best friends, but I think we're both really good about finding that balance between friendship and work. And so we might kind of disagree on something business-wise. And I remember one time she apologized because she basically was like shutting down an idea of mine. And I was like, Carly, you are only trying to make this business better. Like, I'm not taking this personally. We are so good. Like, don't even worry about it. And then we just kind of moved on. And so that been really great having her by my side through this whole thing. In terms of some of the key successes, I'm trying to, I guess, think backwards a little bit. So one of our most recent ones was hitting a thousand followers on Instagram. That may sound like, I don't know, a silly or kind of superficial thing, but I think for some reason hitting that digit signifies that you're not really the small account anymore. You've hit some significant growth and people are starting to buy into what you're doing and trying to do. And so that was just a sign of, we started this account three or four months ago, had zero followers and look, we've already built it up to this. And so that was really great. I know we've talked a little bit about the writers, but I guess one thing that's really important is when we kind of launched this writing program and started accepting applications, four of our first writers came within the first like one or two days, which was really crazy. Just we kind of thought we were really going to be like begging for writers and hoping we could just get one or two people to help out. And we kind of got that decent amount of buy-in right from the start. And it is all volunteer work because you know, we're, there's no real money in this business anywhere. And so we don't have kind of anything to be able to pay these writers except with experience and with some good networking and all of that. And they just love writing and they're happy to do it. And so that's just so key to our business and really important. And so we're really thankful for that. Another key, I guess, would be on our blog itself, it's really kind of hard at first to get a lot of people to actually then go from the Instagram to the website. But of course, the website to us is where the the magic really happens and where some of that good, rich content is. And getting those views, it was like, we were happy when we get like, you know, three or four views on an article or like seven was a big day. And especially since we started writing our or launching our writing program, there's been a lot, I think people just really enjoy having those different perspectives and a lot more creative writing. And our analytics have just shot up the past month since we've done that. Um, It's been really amazing to watch and people are just really enjoying those articles. And so I think that's been kind of this huge milestone as well to be like, okay, we're doing the right stuff. Uh, We're getting kind of the writer's to actually help and like make an impact and it's doing good things for our business. And so those have been some of the key highlights so far. I know you're an avid reader yourself. And my question is, have you uh, read the book Zero to One by Peter Thiel? And do you know who Peter Thiel is? I have not heard of him or read that book actually, but. So he is one of the most well-known billionaire investor. He says in the book and his, if you look at a lot of his content, he says there's two types of entrepreneurs. Of course, College Untapped is the byproduct of your entrepreneur spirit and your journey with your friend Carly, the other co-founder. And I know with your past experiences with SOC business, whether they failed or not, I don't think that's the issue. The issue is you were able to extract and learn from the experiences. However, I know as you're and with your economics background, I know you're able to identify the supply and demand. And of course, that's like the essential component of all businesses, right? identify that there is or if there is any demand and create a supply to match that or as Aiden called it earlier find a problem and fix it in the book Peter Thiel talks about there's two types of entrepreneurs type one is zero to one so for example it could be uber or it could be airbnb you're creating it's a vertical change where you could go from nothing to something new and the type two is a business like college on tap or your sock business that you're not creating something revolutionary new. You're not creating something completely new from nothing, but rather you're trying to find within the premise of what are some of the already existing problems or issues and what are some of the things that are not being addressed. And for you, through your college experience, you're able to identify that, wait a minute, there is popular platform like Barstool Sports, as you talked about, extremely rare and 
one side of the college experience, but it's not holistic. So you're able to identify that there was a cause and you wanted to create something to match that demand and you're supplying, which came up with the college and tap. You were able to find a compatible partner who happens to be your best friend. And you have a lot of collaborative effort and you clearly are extremely entrepreneur. That's evidence from your first soft business attempts in ninth grade. Once again, I don't know what I was doing in ninth grade, but I wasn't starting a business. And then you tried it again for the second time. And this is your third entrepreneur attempts and your business, quote unquote, businesses, right? Is Carly equal as entrepreneur? And also, like, how do you think and where do you think that entrepreneur comes from for you? Like, I'm sure not every single ninth grader after they just graduated from middle school trying to, oh, I want to open a business. I want to do something. And that's extremely ambitious. In a lot of our episodes, we talk about nature versus nurture. So I wonder if it's your genetic, if you're born with it, or if it's some sort of a family influence. Yeah, the way I see it, I definitely have had a growth mindset for really my whole life. I remember hearing this quote and I really loved it. It was, you either win or you learn. And so it's learn instead of lose, which I think is really key to kind of put your failures that way. And I think I've kind of always been a kid who just sort of reaches for a little bit more. And I'm grateful for everything I have, but I'm never content. And I think I kind of always try to see like, what more is there for me? What more can I do? And I'm really obsessed with the idea of being able to make an impact and kind of what we're here, we're on earth, we have this limited amount of time. And like, what can I do with that to change kind of someone else's experience? I think I've always kind of been a little bit of a natural leader. I grew up in a neighborhood where I'm kind of surrounded by all boys and they always called me bossy and it made me very upset at the time. But I think then even if I ran away like crying that day because I'm an eight year old and I have all these boys like you're bossy. What are you like? Why are you doing that? Because I liked everything organized and I liked rules and us playing like very games that like like if we were gonna play I don't know basketball that day I wanted it to be three on three not just us kind of chucking up the ball and so they'd call me bossy and it might get ugly one day but then the next day they come knocking back on my door like what are we doing today and so I think I've kind of always had a little bit of that leadership and then also a little bit of this fire under me like wanting to test myself and push my limits a little bit And my parents have also played a big role in that just because they've always been so supportive and they've definitely always encouraged me to challenge myself with whatever it might be. But they also are kind of like, if you don't want to play that sport, quit, like whatever. If you don't want to do this, that's fine. But just make sure that you're doing what makes you happy, but also that you're challenging yourself and that you're not kind of just taking the easy way out. And so I think all of that together has shaped this just interest in me to kind of create and build more. And then I've always had a little bit of this mathematical mind and definitely like economics in college has been kind of the subject for me. And so I think all like including kind of that math numbers type head has along with this creativity of mine and leadership had made it so that starting a business and creating brands is kind of just something that I really enjoy to do and love doing. And so between the sock business and college on tap, it was kind of like sometimes I'd sit with my basketball team and we'd be like, all right, what business can we start? And just trying to come up with ideas. I always just want to be running a business. So it was kind of a matter of finding, once again, like we've talked about that problem and kind of the answer to it. And so, yeah, I guess I think it's when you talk talk about kind of nature versus nurture, I think it's a little bit of both. I think my upbringing definitely played a role, but kind of who I am as a person is just someone who just wants to build more and create more as I can and kind of be that change in the world a little bit. And so this is just kind of one step, I guess, on that, that journey. And so then as for Carly, I think, Carly definitely is a business person, but she is also much more on the creative side and like designing things. And so it's kind of like, I'm creative in the sense that I have a vision that I see and I want to get there. And Carly's creative in the sense like she's going to build out kind of the steps that are going to get us there. And so she did 
a ton of work on our logo and making our website and all of that. And so she's kind of really can take this vision and and put it on paper, or I guess in our case, on the internet. And so that's kind of where I think those skills really balance each other well. And then Carly also has the same sort of, I'd say, determination and and that kind of always trying to like push herself sort of mindset that I have as well. And so I think she really likes kind of the challenge that comes along with business and the idea that we can be doing something that's really helping impact people. So we're similar in that sense that we have the same goals, but then we're different in the way we can execute and they actually end up balancing each other really well, which is super important for our business. Definitely. I want to highlight two interesting things that you said, both on the you, your side, as well as Carly's side. And I think they're both really interesting paradox because in the first one, you said grateful, but not content which I think in itself is just a really powerful mindset to be grateful for everything that is, but always trying to grow more, always trying to have that growth mindset, which seems like you completely embrace within the business, within your social life, within everything we've talked about today. And the other paradox is equally with you and Carly, it's balance and alignment, right? So you guys aren't necessarily the same person by any means, but you have a balance with what you like to do versus what she likes to do. We always talk about our balance is almost comical at some points. Like he loves to talk and I love to listen. And it really balances out to what we need in a podcast, what we need in interviewing guests and producing content. But really having that balance, having two different people that are able to have certain strengths, like his strengths are my weaknesses. And I'm sure that probably applies to you and Carly as well. I guess more importantly is having alignment for the long term, right? That overall vision that's kind of binding you together, which is, I guess, where I want to go next a little bit is like, do you think having someone by your side, having a co-entrepreneur, a co-founder is one of the reasons why this has been so much more successful than entrepreneurial journey that you tried to do by yourself, right? Like you said, when you were in ninth grade trying to start a sock business by yourself. I can only imagine there were like some struggles not having like anyone to depend on or like go to really for answers or support. What role has having that teamwork been or having that co-partner been in the successes or even overcoming the obstacles? Yeah, so having Carly by my side has made all the difference in this business and is really the reason why this one has been able to be successful and the others I've tried before haven't. When I'm on my own, it's hard to constantly hold yourself to the standard you need to be at or even have the amount of people just working on a project that you really need. And so I know that I've tried in the past ones to kind of bring people on board, but if they don't really have that same passion that you do, it just doesn't end up working out as a partnership and you're really just still kind of on there as your own, constantly trying to pull someone along like, hey, can you do more? Can you do more? And then the other kind of piece of that is, I know I mentioned earlier, there's the days where you're just kind of like, I don't think this is going to work. This is a bad idea. Maybe I should just stop. And then What I didn't mention earlier, though, is how there's this other person next to me. And it's like, I can't just say I'm done. I don't think this is going to work because someone else is passionate about this and believes in it, too. And even if the whole world is against us, even if no one else believes in it, I know I'm not the only one because I already have Carly by my side doing the same thing and believing in the, the same way. And so that really helps make all the difference because those tough days just you can push through because it's not just you. There's someone else there and you're going to work through it together. And when something's bad, you have someone to talk about, oh, this didn't go our way today. But it's kind of like, what can we do now? Like get the ideas rolling. For anyone, I guess, who is looking to start a business, I would totally recommend not doing it alone because someone else is just going to hold you accountable a way that you can't and push you to be kind of the best version of yourself. And then also, it's just as I've talked about the alignment that we have and how we balance each other really well. Everybody has weaknesses and there's always going to be someone else who ha- who their strengths are your weaknesses. And when you can find that, you're just really going to start building an exceptional team. Yeah, with how entrepreneur and driven you are, I'm surprised 
when you were eight year old, you didn't come up with some sort of a self defense product to、uh, guard yourself from the boys who were being mean to you. But yeah, all jokes as- <laughs> all jokes aside, I love that you talked about the importance of partnership and having accountability buddy because that was almost the catalyst, the initial driving force between my partnership with Aiden. As I explained to you before, and I know you're very into fitness and you've been an athlete your whole life. Uh, Aiden and myself, we met in a small local gym in Philadelphia, and we realized the more we talked, we realized we had so much a, a similar alignment of values, beliefs. We both share that inheritance, growth mindset, but more importantly, curiosity. And through our growth and the expansion and the、uh, of our brands of a journey through our podcast, I'm sure you could relate. We've had a lot of ups and downses, and we had a lot of trials and errors. However. The one key component, the bridge, the the glue that really held us together to this date, and we're still growing rapidly, is because accountability aspect that you mentioned with Carly. Whenever I'm feeling demotivated or I've had a rough day at work, because Aiden and myself, we both have full time job, and this is our passion project, and we are willing to commit fifteen twenty hours additional to what we do. However, everyone has a finite amount of energy. And after a long day at work, or after some sort of incidents, we've had a rough day. We're not always going to have the same level of high tide of energy, or maybe even passion for that matter. Sometimes, and that's when Aiden would come in and lift me up, and vice versa. Maybe Aiden would have a rough day at work, or maybe he's having some sort of a personal situations with family or whatever in life, and that's when I would come in and hold him to accountable to what we're supposed to do. And I'm I'm curious, so. When we first started this vision, when I first pitched the idea to Aiden, I'm very self-aware, so I was aware of my strengths and my weaknesses. And Aiden, he is a ferocious reader. He he loves to read. He listens to like forty podcasts at the same time. He's he has like six books he's reading right now. So I knew he was going to be the creative source. He is exceptional writer.、Uh, most content that we have on our、uh, online social media platform, he writes that, and they're very thorough and detailed. So for me, I knew I would be I have a good vision, similar to you, and I will take over the editing part and the logistics. And however, I think a lot of the entrepreneurs we've had on this show, we had a lot of startup founders, and most of them share that the generalist approach. So I think a lot of times in this culture, we like to put specialties on a pedestal. You have to specialize. You have to specialize. But what we've experienced, what we learned, is that. Specialty has its place, but being a generalist also has its place because it's not the master of none, right? Because you could be good at multiple things at the same time if you have the intention, if you have the commitment, if you have the persistence to support that vision of yours. And so, with that being said, my designated role since the beginning and our、um, delegated role since the beginning with me and Aiden have shifted. And a lot of times, he would help me out with the editing, and I'll give him some ideas with the writing. So, I wonder if your partnership. Has the role that you've had set for yourself and Carly have、uh, evolved or shifted over time, or is it still pretty clear cut、uh, delegation? I think since we haven't been around too too long, we haven't really changed kind of how we work. But even though we have different strengths and different weaknesses, I wouldn't say that there's any sort of aspect that one of us. Fully controls and the other like doesn't touch at all, and so it's really a lot of kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. So, for example, she does a lot of our website design and social media and kind of like formatting a lot of the things and just really having kind of quality content out there. And that's not to say that I like don't ever kind of do Instagram posts or things like that. And then, kind of on the other hand, so one of our popular series that we've been running for most of the summer is called Tapping In with Business, and so that's where we're sending out kind of an interview to small business owners who are in college, like Carly and ourselves, and we let them have a chance to talk, talk about their business, what that's kind of been like, so other college students can get a, a sense of what it's really like to kind of have a business in college. And so that was an idea I came up with, and then Carly helps a lot with the execution of that. So it's like some of those ideas that are kind of these overarching things. I'd say I come up with more times, but that's not to say that she doesn't or that she doesn't have like a big part in those as well. So it really is truly a teamwork where we're both feeding in ideas to each other and like 
we both talk to the writers and coordinate with them. And so, yeah, all aspects of our business, I think we both really have a hand in. And I think kind of to your point, it just would really be hard at this point to specialize, especially because we want to be able to bounce those ideas off of each other, being able to bounce ideas off of each other and be like, do you like this post? Do you think this works for our brand? Different things like that is really important. And especially since we are so early on and most of the business side of things is Carly and I, we definitely both have a hand in everything. We are currently in the works of trying to grow. I guess I'd call it our like business team as well. And so we have some other students who are going to start putting their hand in some of our coming up with marketing campaigns and different things like that. And so I think that kind of will help put other people in specialized area. But since I guess for Carly and I, this business is sort of like our baby. It's like we don't want to let it go to really any other person right now. We just like having our hands in every single aspect that we can and that's kind of how we function right now. Yeah, it sounds exciting. I think a lot of people, whether they're entrepreneurs or not, whether it's life or business or relationship, a lot of people get intimidated by the overwhelming amount of things they're trying to achieve. Because when you first started this journey of College on Tap with your co-founder Carly, I'm sure you two weren't having the vision or thinking, oh, this is gonna be a booming success within the first year. We're going to have 50K plus revenue. We're gonna have writers from all across the country. We're going to competing with Barstool. That wasn't the intention, right? Your intention is that you realize there was a potential issue and a lack of supply for a certain thing in terms of college. And you simply wanted to be the supplier of the experience for the college students like yourself and Carly. So I think it's exciting because like you said that you're in currently in the stage of growth. You're clearly in the stage of potential expansion of business because you're right, it is your baby. Just like for us, this is our baby. And as long as you're continuing to be consistent and patient like you have been doing for so far, I can't even imagine where the brand's going to take you in the future. So I'm very excited for you. One thing that I'd like to ask is tapping in with businesses. So both with the interviews that you've done there, as well as your own experiences, both at College on Tap and the sock business what are some like big themes or big ideas revolving around entrepreneurship that you've come across that you think are important that you found really interesting yeah i think what's been really important that i've noticed with all these student entrepreneurs is kind of balancing that school and kind of work life and anything else that students kind of might have going on And so kind of one of our questions that we ask them usually is like, what is the biggest challenge? And a lot of people have said that balance uh, between the two. And it's just being an entrepreneur is a time commitment in and of itself. You know, we're all in college and we want to get our degrees and do all of that. And so in one of the books that I read recently, I believe it was Originals, He talked a little bit about people think to be an entrepreneur, you kind of have to just go all in. It's the kids who drop out of college and don't get a job and just start from scratch. And then that's how whatever big billionaires make it. And that's how they get there is just like taking that chance and going all in. And in this book, Originals, he talked a lot about how Some businesses like uh, Warby Parker, if you're familiar with that glasses brand, they all stayed in college and they were applying for jobs and trying to get jobs even as that business was starting because they were like, of course, we hope that this works and it's successful, but it's kind of this like calculated risk idea. So it's like, we want this to work. We're willing to put the time in, but we're not willing to kind of give up this other path of life quite yet. And so... I think that that's super important for entrepreneurs to know and also to kind of own that, that it doesn't mean you don't think it's going to be successful if you don't go all in, but it's kind of this good calculated risk. And so what that kind of ties into is there are a lot of college students who are kind of have this entrepreneurship side to themselves, but are also not just going to say, this is what's going to make me millions of dollars someday and go all in on that right from the start. And that's okay. And that's really important, but it does create this large challenge for people trying to start their businesses because you have to be able 
to balance this huge time commitment. And so it's really important to be able to give your business the time it needs and to learn and be excited and passionate about it, but not think it's going to be quick or easy or anything like that. And so that's what a lot of these kids have highlighted is that it truly is a challenge to start a business and to be a student Um, or even for people who might be right out of college. That's still a hard time too if you're trying to work a full-time job like you guys said you add another 15 to 20 hours working on the podcast and so it's like these passion projects these things that you want to do are not necessarily easy by any means and so I think in tapping in with business kids were really able to highlight that challenge and then kind of on the flip side we also asked them what's the most fun part about having this business and There was some variety to that answer there, but the underlying themes are that people just love being able to build something, watch it grow, and kind of have this impact that they didn't know that they would be able to build. Um, And so some people have, you know, more on the nonprofit side or they donate a lot of their proceeds to charity. And so it's kind of like they find something that they care about and that they want to see better in the world and whatever it might be, they're kind of able to make that change. And so I think that's really an important aspect of business is that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, it's really about embracing kind of the fight, but then loving the results and loving what you can get out of it and what you can create and being like, I've grown so much, this business has grown so much. And that's because I was able to put in this time and kind of work through that. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you shared the book originals. Uh, I love that book. And yeah, just to echo and add a few more details for the listeners who are interested in the entrepreneurial journey. So like you explained, the Warby Parker, those founders, they actually attended MBA at UPenn Wharton. And their advisor asked them to go all in. But they said, you know what, we're going to take our calculated risk and we're going to assess all the metrics to make sure that this is the best decision. And I think the idea of dropping out and becoming successful overnight is on the pedestal in a lot of through social media, through a lot of these entrepreneurs. I mean, if you look at if you go on to Instagram account, just scroll down to discover page. Every single person has an entrepreneur tag in their bio, right? Like everyone's entrepreneur nowadays which they're not. Um, Two prime examples come to my mind. One is Bill Gates and one is Mark Zuckerberg. Everyone believed that they dropped out of college and they became successful and they became this mega billionaires. And they're at the apex of the society, financially speaking. However, what people don't understand is that they didn't. Once they had the ideas, but they had to go through a thorough list of assessments. And once they realized there's a certain level of risk and they realized that they were able to be risk averse enough. Then they've um, decided to take a leave of absence and they departed college and decided to allocate 100% of their energy, effort, money, talents into their businesses. And I think that's like the similar approach that you've mentioned through tapping in with business, where a lot of college students realize that entrepreneur is a journey and it is a process that requires a tremendous level of effort from all sides of aspects. Whether you're in college, whether you're not in college, the effort and the commitment itself don't change. So I just wanted to highlight that and echo that. So with that being said, as we're coming close to an interview, I want to acknowledge how smooth the experience has been. You as our first virtual interview prospect, uh, you made this experience extremely seamless and easy for all of us. And you, for how young you are, you provided tremendous and immense values for everyone. And I want to use you as the poster child and a prime example and case point that age is never synonymous with experiences. I know plenty of people in their 30s and 40s who are doing the same thing over and over again because they never cultivated and leaned into that growth mindset that we talked about with Carol Dweck. Yet you have that. You've showed that ever since your ninth grade. And it's awesome that you have a partner and a co-founder, Carly, who also happens to be a best friend who believes and subscribes to that vision. And you guys have the partnership and the effort to collaborate so that this vision has come to fruition. So we're super excited for your future and what you two have to bring for the audiences, for the other college students and for their brands. And I like to, you know, close out the episode with a couple questions that we ask everyone. Uh, If you were to start a mentorship program and you're the mentor, 
what are some of the advices you like to give to your younger self or to other mentees in the program? I think that kind of the advice that I'd love to mentor people on is don't be afraid to take that initial risk. Don't be afraid to fail because it, once again, it's either you win or you learn. And so if you're learning all your life and growing out of experiences that may not have gone the way you planned, that's still a success in and of itself because it's getting you to some next level. It's preparing you for something else. And so I truly believe that there's a plan for everyone and a way to kind of go about things. And so even if you fail, you're leading up to something even greater. And so people shouldn't shy away from opportunities that present themselves. They should really just go for it and don't be afraid to put yourself out there, whatever it might look like. Don't be afraid for other people to be like, oh, what is she doing? I think it's important to know that people are always so conscious of kind of what they look like on social media, for example. Like they might feel weird about starting a business and what other people might think of them, but you shouldn't be afraid of that. You should embrace that and you should hope that people will support you in that journey and be there by your side. And if it doesn't work out the way you planned the first time, fine, just get after it and uh, try again. I love it. All you can do is win or learn. That's really powerful that I think even as middle of our 20s, that's still something we consistently have to remind us of and will continue to remind us of. So we really appreciate that insight, that advice, and we can't echo it enough for everybody to listen to. Uh, Now, we would like to give you kind of a self-plugging session, let the listeners know how they can connect with you, how they can find out more about College on Tap and read about all the amazing content you guys have been putting out. Yeah, so our Instagram handle is College on Tap, except take the O's and make them zeros. That was the closest thing we could get kind of with the handle. And then right from there um, in our bio, there'll be a link to our website, which will bring you directly there. And I think that's the easiest way to kind of give you the URL. Um, You can also find us on at College on Tap on Facebook as well. We've just recently begun a Twitter and we're spreading into TikTok a little bit too. (laughs) So on Twitter, we're, I believe it's actually at Tap College, but I think if you just started searching College on Tap, the name might come up. And then on TikTok, we are College on Tap. On top of our articles and all the things that we're doing kind of through social media, in the coming weeks, we're hoping to release some brand merchandise. So be on the lookout for that as well. So you're going to start selling socks, really come full circle? (laughs) Not socks yet. I think I'm a little too traumatized (laughs) from that. So. Yeah, we hope that this episode has provided a lot of value for the listeners. And if you're still listening, we truly appreciate you to listening towards the end. And Sarah, for you, we wish you the best in your endeavor. And we are very excited to see where the brand takes you in the upcoming years. And we will be closely monitoring your growth, your journey through all platforms. And to all the listeners, we will be putting all the details and everything we've discussed, the books, the handles, the accounts, everything that's related to College on Tap in the show episodes. And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.